Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Squat Therapy. It's CrossFit Games regional season and I'm sure, like me, many of you were glued to the internet this past weekend watching the Pacific, the South, and the California regional go down. I'm wondering what you guys think was the biggest upset as far as people that made it or maybe didn't make it. I know for me, seeing that Dan Bailey didn't make it, that's a huge, huge blow. It's just another, really, it's, it just goes to show that every year you're going to see athletes come out of nowhere. You know, this is a sport that depending on what happens and what's programmed really dictates who makes it. And you're going to see athletes that have been training for a year and, and the right workouts come up and they're just super athletic freaks. And, and here we're seeing people that, you know, didn't qualify for the games or didn't even make it to regionals last year and now heading to Carson in July. So impressive performances by so many people. Of course, Josh Bridges winning that California region. Be on the lookout for that dude in July. I think he's got a fire lit under his ass and he wants to take home that first place trophy. And speaking of the games and regionals on today's podcast, I have Jenny Labaw, games competitor, and we'll chat a little bit about that. But really the reason I have her on here is because she's done something incredible. She ran cross country. She's on here to talk about it. And by cross country, I mean literally across the country. So you'll want to listen to my interview with Jenny Labaw, and that's coming up next on today's episode of Squat Therapy. It's time for some squat therapy. You're a host, Jason Ackerman, P-I-M-P. Baby Jesus, break it down with the interesting mind. CrossFit's OG, he's one of a kind. Coaching, training, and mobility. Each episode, a quest of virtuosity. Relevant CrossFit topics and stellar guests. He'll leave you wondering what he's going to say next on Squat Therapy. We are back on the podcast, back on squat therapy. Jenny Labaw and I finally connected. We had some issues last week because we forgot to take into account the time zone difference. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on. (laughs) Well, don't say that yet. It might not be so great by the time you get (laughs) off. And, you know, we've been connected through our mutual friend, Troy, who is involved in so many awesome projects. Um, For those of you that don't know, Troy is involved in the Resiliency pro- Project, you know him from the Mark Pro. He's just uh, an amazing dude, and you guys hooked up because, and what we want to really dive into on this interview is, you decided to run, as in on your own two feet, across the state of Colorado. True, I did, I did. <laughs> so, someone like me, I'm five foot three, 145 pounds, I hate running. I don't know how you felt about running prior. You're a CrossFitter. You're a two-times games athlete. What motivated you to run across an entire state? Well, um, it's really a long, long story. But Give us I, the, uh, uh, I, I, love, I actually love to run. People think I'm crazy when I say that, but I really do. I was a soccer player my whole life, and I played soccer collegially, so running is a big, a big part of that, obviously. And then I... After college, I got into, I didn't know, I missed the competitive edge, you know, and so I was like, well, I guess I can run, so that's what I'll do. So I started doing 5Ks and 10Ks and some half marathons, and I ran one marathon, and when I did, I qualified for Boston, the, the race I ran, and I said, you know, there is no way 
I am ever going to run another marathon in my life. That was horrible. That was so hard. And so I kind of stopped running, but then I found CrossFit and I got into CrossFit, but um, we can talk about that a little bit, but the, yeah, the, the whole running, the motivation behind the run is way deeper than just going, going for a run and trying to do something crazy. It was that I, um, when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with epilepsy and it was something I was pretty ashamed of and didn't talk about for a really long time. But in 2012, through my success with CrossFit, I had this, this platform that I had the ability to reach some people and my boyfriend's a videographer and he, he said, you know, Jenny, he said, this is a good time for you to, he's like, we could really do something and make a video and, and tell people about you have living with epilepsy. And I was no, 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 I don't want to do that. That's terrifying. That's so scary. I can't do that. But he said, you know, let's make the video and just see what happens. And so we made the video and um, I liked it and it was really hard, but I, I did, I, I released it to the, the, my little small CrossFit platform world. And, um, the response was absolutely overwhelmingly positive. People were thanking me for, uh, telling my story and f- because they had epilepsy or their aunt had epilepsy or their grandpa did or whatever their, their story was, or that they just were going through a really hard time and to see someone kind of be able to, to share a, a vulnerable part of their life when they're in the limelight was a, was a motivating thing for them. So when that all happened, really, I told you this was a long story. I'm sorry. Oh, I love cut, it. I love cut the Cut me off at any time. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a, an amazing story, and it's given me so many questions to ask you, but go ahead. Oh, great, great. So, yeah, so I knew then that something bigger and better had to happen, but I was very focused on myself as an athlete at that point, competing in CrossFit, and I just um, didn't have the, the time um, or necessarily the right motivation at that point. So I didn't do anything for a couple years, and it wasn't until this last, almost a year ago, I guess, in, in late June, um, last year, Marcus and I were driving through Colorado to go, that's where I'm from, we went to go visit my family, and uh, we were driving through the mountains, and I looked outside, and it was just just beautiful, I'm a, I'm a mountain girl through and through, so I was smelling the air, and listening to the birds, and all that awesome stuff, and all of a sudden, I just got <clears throat> hit by a ton of bricks, and I said, I know what I'm going to do, and I looked at Marcus, and I said, I'm going to run across Colorado for epilepsy, and he looked at me like that was a totally sane thing to say, and he was like, okay, let's do this. And so about uh, two weeks with my family, I went back to California where I live now. And we, I spent two and a half months planning this event and I sort of trained in there a little bit as well, but it was a lot of time behind the computer trying to plan the route and figure out where I was going to do my PR stops and trying to get sponsors and um, just all the logistics of it. But it ended up in two and a half months being planned. And starting on September 19th of this last fall, I started on the New Mexico border of Colorado. And I ran up and over the Colorado Rockies to the Wyoming border in about, it was 30, 31 days, 27 days of running. And there was, what was it, 34,000 foot elevation gain, 32,000 feet elevation drop, and a lot of toenails lost. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So how many miles total was it? It was 482 total. So the, right. when I put it on MapQuest before the run, it literally said exactly 500, but it ended up totaling 482 miles. So just off the top of my head, that sounds like it averages about 17, 18 miles a day. You're good with math. Yeah. So there was there was definitely days that were longer. I had a couple 27, 26ers. Um, actually, I had a lot of those. I had a lot of 20, 22, but there was 
one day, my shortest day was, a. Uh, I had run some extra miles the day before. So, so I felt good. And I, I only had a, a 10 K that day. So that was great. That was my shortest day, but only a 10K. Most, That's my most of the time, of the it averaged out to be like 17 or 18 miles a day, something like that. Wow. And like you said, only a 10K. That's like, all right, I'm going out for a long run, guys. I'll be back in uh, an hour. So <laughs> you took a few rest days in there, you said. So you've gone for 31 and you ran 27. Is that right? So like four. Yeah. So how, you know, I, I watched a lot of bike, biking, you know, cycling, Tour de France, et cetera. And it, from what I understand, these guys actually hop on the bike on their, their three rest days of the tour. What, was, what were those rest days like? Did it, did it help prepare you more for the next day, or did it actually hurt you as far as being ready to go again? Well, um, yes and no. So it, it was really weird. Like, you get to a point where you don't want to take a day off. Mentally, you're like, no, I just have to keep going. I have to keep going, you know. But there's... My toes were obliterated. Day day three, I started getting blisters underneath some of my toenails, and it, it's they stayed there, and they got worse, and then they moved to a different toe throughout the entire run. So the good part about the off days is I let the inflammation in my feet go down a little bit, so some of the, the pressure was taken away from the toes. Um, so that was a really good recovery part of it. I don't know. I mean, when you're running that much, I don't know that one day off is really going to make that big of a difference in how your body feels. I was super lucky. I had a really good friend, um, Tori Zellick, who's a massage therapist and she's my body worker and she came with me for the entire time. So I was really lucky every day after I was done running, I would get, I would get a massage until my legs gave out. I mean, some days it was 45 minutes and some days it was three hours. So she would just, just stay until my muscles decided to give. So that was, I think, Probably the biggest component to my recovery and being able to go every day was Tori. And I assume, well, first of all, did you were you were you camping? Were you staying in an RV? Were you at a hotel? A little, a little bit of everything. We had some people donate hotel rooms, which was awesome, you know, because we were planning on just just camping and 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 doing that. But we did have several. I was, I'd say, probably half and half of hotel rooms and camping, and um, I, I did. I ran through where my family is, so I got to stay with my my mom one day and my dad one day. So those were awesome recovery days, you know, to mental recovery days to be with people that you love and in your, your own hometown and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What about obviously the other thing that played a huge role must have been nutrition. What was I mean? I'd imagine at that point you just are struggling to eat enough to sustain your sustain your body and the and what you're putting it through. Yeah. So. That was one thing that was super surprising to me. I mean, I knew that I was going to be needing more fuel, but I didn't know. I didn't know what. And honestly, I during the planning period, that was probably the last thing on my mind. But I was so lucky to have a company out of Carbondale, Colorado. Um, a good friend of my mom. She she owns a kitchen, runs a kitchen called True Nature Kitchen, and they they cooked for me the entire time. So they prepared meals and would um, what do you call it? Vacuum pack the you know where they freeze them. And then they, they sent them to us or brought them to us in coolers. So I had awesome food of just, I would, I mean, I'm a pretty, I eat, I eat really clean. So I would have two hard boiled eggs and a banana in the morning. And then I would run. And throughout the run, I would have, uh, pre-made baby food. So like sweet potatoes and applesauce and turmeric and curry and all of this blended in this, this thing for, um, for fuel during the run. And then I would keep a, um, electrolyte. So I use noon tablets in my water to keep going during the day. And then I, when, as soon as I was done running, I would have one of the, the, the pre-made meals. So it was like some type of meat, chicken, um, turkey, beef, whatever with, uh, 
sweet potatoes and a bunch of veggies and um, cooked in good fat. And so I would eat one of those, but I wanted, I wasn't hungry. And that was the weird thing. And I didn't expect that, that I literally like the thought of food made me feel nauseous. And so for the first two weeks we were, we were camping and we didn't really know a lot of the people where we were staying in the hotels, like they don't have scales. And so I didn't ever weigh myself, but I knew that I definitely was losing weight. I just didn't know how much. And at the halfway point I, I reached my mom's house and I was like, well, I better just jump on the scale. And I was down 11 pounds. And I didn't really have 11 pounds to lose. So I knew at that point that I had to start eating way more, but it was, I had to force feed. I just was not hungry. And so I am so embarrassed to say this, but I read, I read the ultra marathon man, Dean Carnazzi's book. He was, he's a major ultra runner and he, I, he, I remember reading that he would eat pizza and just crazy gross stuff, Oreos, all sorts of this stuff when he was running. And so they, Mark has asked me, he's like, what sounds good? I'm like, I want salt and vinegar potato chips and, M&M, peanut M&M's. And so we went out and got those. And so I started just eating that um, when I, after I went out to have real food also, but that was kind of what, what ended up keeping the weight on. And I ended up only losing three pounds the second half of the run. So down a total of 14 pounds. Hey, don't call salt and vinegar chips not real food. Oh my God. They're, I know they're kind of a staple. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> so you, 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 went and ate foods that you wouldn't typically eat. How soon after you were done did you go back to your normal clean eating? Right away. I mean, I shouldn't say that. The first, so I'm very gluten intolerant. I can, I'm not diagnosed celiac, but before gluten intolerance was a cool thing, I uh, definitely could not have it. So um, I... I, I mean, you just have weird cravings. I craved a donut during the run, and right the last day of the run, I was at Steamboat CrossFit. That's where they, they were awesome and hosted this finish party for me, and they the, the woman who kind of put the whole thing together had this um, package with a donut in it, and I looked at Marcus, and my eyes had to have been the size of the donut. I was so excited, and I was, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I don't care if my stomach hurts, and I, I ate it, and I literally, no, no side effect at all, which was, I think my body was literally just starving, so... Um, but that was that was about it, you know. I ate pretty 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 good after that. There was might have been a few more peanut M and M's in there, but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you, you finished the race. Well, I guess a, a big question would be how much. I, I don't know. Were you trying to raise money? Was it just for awareness? Did you accomplish your goal? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it was so. It was for awareness. That was the main thing. But then our goal was to raise uh, $50,000 for the Epilepsy Foundation, which I'm a, a member of. The, I'm an advocate for their Athletes versus Epilepsy program. So it was, uh, it was a, a cool thing to be, uh, be a part of. But we ended up raising $52,000. So, yeah, we reached our goal and plus some. So what does that do for the, for the charity? What does that do for awareness? I mean, $52,000... To, to your per average person listening, sounds like a substantial amount of money, but what does that do to help promote awareness, and what, and what does that do to, you know, I don't know if there's a cure to epilepsy or, or just something that yeah. we, we could be doing to help out. What does so that there's, mean? there's not a cure, and that's kind of what that's, I got to choose when I was doing the, the fundraiser where I wanted the money to go to, and I chose for my for my fundraising to go to for research to help find a cure, and that's... Um, they're, they're getting closer. You know, they're doing some really cool stuff with genetics, which they have not been able to do before. So there's definitely a lot of research happening at Harvard and UCSF and all the, the big colleges that are, that's awesome, but there still is no cure. And there's, I think it's, I'm going to hopefully get this number right, two and three people don't even know the, the cause. So there's, it's a really unknown disorder and that's what is pretty scary about it. And that's why 
every case, there's 40 different types of epilepsy. So it's not like it's just, oh, you have epilepsy. This is what we need to do. You know, there's a bunch of different treatments. There's a bunch of different uh, causes. There's a bunch of unknown causes. There's no cure. There's just a bunch of unknowns. So my goal was, yes, to, to raise awareness. And it, it's been a really cool transition because I've, I mean, from eight till I was, what, 31 years old, I didn't even want to, t- I didn't tell anybody. I didn't talk to anybody about it. And then personally, it's been really freeing to, to, to talk about it because of the fact that you find all, one in 26 people will be diagnosed with epilepsy at some time in their life. So that's a lot of people, you know, there's, I, I end up finding people that I've known for a long time that have it, or they have a child that has it that I never knew about. And so you get to form a totally new community of people that you get to help support and they get to help support you. And I've, it's been really cool to, to, through my, my sharing my story, people now are not afraid to share their stories. So that's where I feel like it's a domino effect. You know, I've, I've, I've started to share now more people are sharing. So more people learn. And now it's not this ugly stigma that comes with, with epilepsy that you're possessed by demons and you should be hung, you know? I mean, seriously, that's what used to happen. So yeah, it's I think it's, I think there's, I think that it's bigger than I thought it was going to be. And I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. There's still some pretty cool things happening. So, well, well, tell me this, if people are listening and they they decide, okay, I want to be a part of this movement and I want to help, what can they do and where can they go? Well, so my, my website, labalife.com, I'm embarrassed to say that I haven't been very good at keeping up on blogs lately, but labaw, L-A-B-A-W, life.com is kind of where I've put most of my information out on. Um, the epilepsy foundation is, I think it's epilepsy.com is a, is a great resource to learn. And they have all sorts of different events that they can all over the the country where there's walks or there's runs or there's some type of event that's going on. I, I hope to, I just need to, um, I wish I didn't have so much going on in my life. I need to get my act together. I really want to start some, uh, charity CrossFit events that I can kind of get some gyms behind so that you might see that coming in the future. But I think more than anything is just to educate yourself because there's a, I mean, one in 26 people, there's a chance that you'll be at the grocery store and you'll find somebody having a seizure and what do you do? You know, I mean, you could literally save somebody's life by being educated on how to help them. What do you do? So it depends on the seizures. Most of the time when you, when someone needs that your help, they're going to be, um, having a tonic clonic seizure, which is the kind where you fall to the ground and shake, which is most, what most, most people think of. And you just want to protect them. You want to make sure that they're not going to hit their, their head or their body on something. So kind of get an open space for them. Um, you don't, unless it's a like extreme case and you feel like they've lost, um, they're, they're in, in danger. Their life is in danger. Like they're not breathing or something. You don't need to call the ambulance right away. Just wait till they come to and just talk to them and make sure they're calm. And if for some reason they don't respond, then definitely call for help. But if you're scared and you don't know what to do, definitely call for help because that's, that's, you don't want to be, want to be the only one there and be lost. So, well, um, that's just yeah, a, the main thing is just to make sure that they're not going to, going to hurt themselves. Right. Good rule of thumb. You know, if you're not sure what's going on and it seems like an emergency, yeah. call 911. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Handle exactly. It. Exactly. Yeah. As, as you're talking about this run, you know, I know deep down you're a CrossFitter. What was it like mentally you know i'd imagine at some point you're running and it's hard and it's challenging but you're really at some point diminishing your fitness oh yeah so yeah i lost four and a half inches in each thigh i had no muscle (laughs) so what was what's that like mentally to know that as as you're is it just hey this 
this movement trumps that. Yeah. I know for me it's it's hard. And, and yeah, I think I, a lot of people I, would agree sorry, with that. Sorry, Jason, I interrupted you. Sorry, go ahead. What? No, th- I'm just saying I think that's a, it's a hard concept to wrap your head around. Like you're, you're, you're running all these miles. You're doing something amazing, but something you've worked so hard for in your fitness level is going to suffer because of it. Yeah, and it's, it still is, honestly. And I, I kind of mentioned this before we were chatting that my, my knee, I haven't been able to run since the, since the run. My knee is pretty, pretty junked up. And that's, that wasn't even a thought, honestly. I, I, I didn't care. I mean, I knew every day Tori would say, yeah, you're losing more muscle. Your quads are, are literally fading away. And I, I didn't care. I mean, that wasn't what it was for. And I think that I reached a, a, a place with myself as an athlete this last year that um, I was okay with that. You know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a really lucky person. I have a gift that I'm able, I'm able to go run 500 miles for awareness. You know, there's not a lot of people that physically are even able to do that. So for me, it was bigger than my own, my own fitness. That'll come back. You know, I don't, I don't need it right now to be able to compete because I'm not competing at CrossFit. So if I can do something else that's uh, more important than myself, then that, that was a way. I mean, if people ask me what my biggest accomplishment is as an athlete, it's not going to be that I was all conference or, or anything like that in college or, or whatever. It's not going to be that I was nominated for for some big awards, you know, it was going to be, and it's not going to be that I got six at the CrossFit Games. It's going to be that I ran 500 miles across Colorado for epilepsy. That's so badass. And I mean, yeah. are you basically, you're retired from CrossFit competition at this point? Yeah. At this point, who knows what'll happen, but yeah, maybe they'll make Masters 35 and I'll be able to do it again. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for, but now I'm almost in the 40s. So it's too late. Um, well, that's so great. Do you have any, is this going to be something that you, you turn into a, a yearly event, you're going to host a race. It's funny enough, last night I was on Netflix and I found this great documentary about these cyclists that ride Transamerica. Um, yeah. You know, like most nights I fell asleep 15 minutes in, but they, they've turned it into an annual event. Do you, do you envision that either for yourself or for, for an, a way to make money every year for epilepsy? Absolutely. I absolutely do, and I don't... <clears throat> I don't know what to what capacity. I don't think it's going to be a run across Colorado. I physically can't do that. So um, to do that on an annual basis, but it might be, I mean, my whole, my whole movement's called move mountains. So um, it might be different every year, but some type of an annual event, you know, climbing, climbing up a 14 er or doing a, doing a relay race with people who knows, you know? And like I said, I, I really want to get on the bandwagon. You're motivating me right now, right, right now to do that is to start some, some CrossFit events that could, could do that. I mean, look what barbells for boobs have done, you know? Yeah, so, ex- exactly. Yeah, I, I think it could be something way bigger than I ever imag- imagined, and I, I hope it is, you know? Well, I'm glad that I was able to motivate you, and I hope you've motivated some people to get out there. And obviously, you know, you're on here supporting epilepsy, but but whatever it is, support some some charities and some foundations out there that are that are giving back. There's There's so much good that we could be doing, and we have a voice in the CrossFit, you know, you don't have to be six at the CrossFit Games to do something. So, so get out there and, and, and do something for your community and for these amazing charities. But, you know, Jenny's on here promoting it. Can you give that information one last time so people can get out and, and help you support it? Yeah, labalife.com, L-A-B-A-W, life.com is my website. And then um, epilepsy.com for the Epilepsy Foundation. Awesome. Well, we'll hit those up and follow Jenny. And if she opens up some competitions. Get out there and support it. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Jenny, for being on. I'm glad we finally 
worked around our time zone differences and, and we were able to do this. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on, Jason. All right. You have a good rest of the day. You too.